want to transition to our short study this morning by asking you to think of some good news. I want you to think about good news for a minute, large or small. Any good news that you've had in your life lately, something that's gone well, something that you've been glad about or grateful for, something that's gone better than you hoped, or maybe something that didn't go as bad as you feared it might go. Uh, Something that's uh, been a blessing or a positive in your life or in the life of your family or your community or the world. Uh, Something that you would consider broadly in some way good news that is relevant. Uh, think about something like that uh, over, that's happened over the past week or the past month, if you can't think about something from the past week or even the last year. Uh, lock that in your mind, and I want to ask you, if you're willing, to share that with someone around you very quickly, very quickly. Share with a person near you something that you would consider good news. Real quick. Ready, set, go. All right, time's up. All right, you've had your fun. Uh, Let's pray. We thank you, God, for all of the good news that we have to share. Uh, There's so much that we uh, are going to go on and on about that. We're grateful for the ways that you've blessed us, grateful for the good things and the good people and the good opportunities and the good resources in our lives Uh, Everything good comes from you. We acknowledge that and we're grateful. We ask as we open your words, your words, your scripture together this morning that you would open our eyes, that we would be attentive uh, to you, to what you would have us learn, how you would have us grow, who you would have us become in Christ. I pray and ask that as my words are true to your word, that they would be taken to heart. If my words deviate from your word in any way, may they quickly pass away. We pray in Christ the Lord. Amen. So Colleen gave us a good overview of what we've been talking about for the last 14 weeks now, the way of Jesus, what it means to follow him, uh, to get into the life that he invites us in order that we might experience the kingdom that he talked about incessantly. Uh, To that end, we're going to get back into the Gospel of Matthew, uh, following up really the next verse from where we were last Sunday morning. I'm going to read from Matthew chapter 4, beginning at verse 18. Uh, Listen closely, this is the word of God. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and later called Peter, and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once, Peter and Andrew left their nets, and they followed Jesus. Going on from there, Jesus saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they too left the boat and their father and followed Jesus. Jesus' first four followers, or disciples, or students, or apprentices, were fishermen. And just as quickly as Jesus had called these fishermen to himself, he told them that he would be sending them out. Come, let's go. I'm going to be sending you out with a mission, with a purpose, 
with important and eternal tasks to do, with a commission, we would say. And Matthew doesn't tell us this, but presumably Jesus also said to James and to John that he would send them out also to fish for people, to invite others who are interested into the kingdom of God, to enter into this kingdom, to experience this kingdom that Jesus said over and over was at hand, was near, was available, was accessible to them now that he was among them and with them. And Matthew uh, continues in that vein throughout his gospel. And it's a little surprising how Jesus so quickly is ready to send them out. These guys are just fishermen. And you know this, if they ever went to school at all, it was very minimal, maybe the early years of elementary school at the most. The extent of their training had to do with how to fish, where to fish, mending nets, how to uh, steer a boat, drive a boat, navigate a boat, repair a boat. All of these things were completely different in skills than what Jesus would be sending them out to do. Different in what now would be required of them in faith and of power and of love. So now fast forward six chapters to the 10th chapter of Matthew's gospel where we read these words. Jesus called his 12 disciples, now 12, to him, and he gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. Verse 5, these 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter into any of their towns of the Samaritans, at least not yet. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel first, and as you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. And it's the same message that Jesus proclaimed himself back in the verses before the ones in chapter 4 that I just read and that we talked about last week. Repent, you remember Jesus said, because the kingdom of heaven is near. It is at hand, it is ready, it is ripe, it is available. And Matthew continues, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons, freely you have received, freely give. And so what Jesus came doing, in other words, proclaiming the kingdom of God and its nearness and its proximity and its availability, he also called and sent out his disciples, his followers to do. What Jesus did, he called and invited and empowered his students also to do. And this makes sense. We may think of Jesus as totally on another plane, as above us, as distant, but he invites us literally to walk in his steps to do exactly the same things that he did. To walk, as we're saying in this series, in his way, the way of Jesus. And Jesus, Jesus sort of unpacks there casually what the coming near of the kingdom of God would look like. The sick would be healed. The dead would be raised. The unclean would be made clean. The outcasts would be invited in. Demons would be driven out. The deaf would hear. And so on. Are you with me here? And now fast forward one more time. Now to the very end of Matthew's gospel. Chapter 28, beginning at verse 16. The 11 disciples, they're down to 11 with Judas going out the door. 
The 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw Jesus, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Very honest. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations or ethnic groups, all peoples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus sends out his disciples again to go to announce good news, to baptize those who have heard and received that good news, and to teach them all of the things that Jesus, over the course of his three-year ministry, had taught them. Teach them how to obey. Teach them, Jesus says, now to walk in this way in which I have trained you. And this is what has been called, in a word, evangelism which is also almost a transliteration of the Greek word euangelion. And that literally means good news, which is exactly the term used by Isaiah, who more than any other prophet spoke about the coming Messiah, foretold the coming of Jesus, writing, for example, words like these. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings or good news, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns, which is what kings do in their kingdom. And then the passage from Isaiah that Jesus read aloud in a synagogue at the beginning of his public ministry recorded in Luke 4. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. And the whole idea that we remember and celebrate at Advent, these four weeks that we are in as we prepare for Christmas, is that God sent his Son that God sent Jesus from heaven to earth, out of eternity, into time, taking on flesh, becoming like us, becoming one of us, among us. This is the thrust of the first chapter of John's gospel, and then almost every other chapter throughout John's gospel, God sent his son Jesus out into the world, among us, to us, with a message to proclaim and to tell to communicate good news, and to be or to embody that good news. In the verse that immediately follows the five verses that I read at the very beginning about Jesus calling James and John and Peter and Andrew, Matthew writes, Jesus went throughout Galilee teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, euangelion, evangelism. And healing every disease and sickness among the people. And several verses before the passage in Matthew 10 that we read about Jesus actually giving authority to his disciples to preach and to present and to make available this kingdom. And to heal and to cast out demons and then sending them out to do also. Matthew tells us this about Jesus. Jesus went through all the towns and villages teaching in their synagogues proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. Jesus first did and modeled for his disciples or his students, his apprentices, his apprentices, 
what he shortly later would empower, would call, would empower, and would authorize them to do also. And the church has forgotten all of this. And just forgotten that Jesus models and teaches his apprentices to do what he is shortly going to expect them and empower them to do. To go out, to heal, to proclaim, to live, to declare the reign of God is now at hand. The activity of God, the presence of God is in their midst and around them and in them. From the moment that Jesus first called his disciples in the gospel of Matthew to the very end of his gospel and all along the way in between, Jesus sent out followers to tell good news. If a person was an apprentice of Jesus, he or she did not yet know everything that Jesus knew and was not yet able to do everything that Jesus was able to do but he or she was on this learning path and was along the way trusting Jesus to help him or her learn to do the things that he could already do and that he had called them to do. Now, are you with me on this and how this relates to us? If that was true then, it is also true now. The mission to which Jesus called Peter and Andrew and James and John is still very much in play and in process with our generation. There is much work yet to be done, much good news still to be shared, a kingdom that is still coming, a kingdom that God yearns to fully come and that the world desperately needs. And what stands between us and that reality is this thing that we awfully call evangelism. I like what uh, former Princeton Seminary professor Tom Long has written about this. Evangelism, he writes, is for many people, frankly, a nose-wrinkling word. Is that true? A nose-wrinkling word, a term they hold in approximately the same regard as the phrase professional wrestling. Both are considered to be activities that draw large, uncritical crowds, involve a measure of sham, work on irrational emotions, and could end up hurting somebody. We must try to reclaim the word evangelism in the largest sense. Evangelism means living the gospel in ways that can be seen, heard, and felt, and as such, it embraces every aspect of the church's life and of my life and your life when we are in him. So many, of e so many of us, even Christians, even those of us who are trying to follow Jesus, have so many negative images and emotions deep within us about the term evangelism from television and our culture and maybe our experiences and our fears and our insecurities. We just cringe and our culture pushes back saying, it's okay to believe whatever you want to believe, but don't push that on me. Don't force your beliefs on me. And we frankly understand where that thinking comes from with all of the twisted things that have been done in the name of Jesus and in the church over the centuries. And yet, what if we begin to think about evangelism 
as has another former Princeton Seminary professor, Richard Armstrong, who writes, by evangelism, I mean reaching out to others in Christian love, identifying with them, caring for them, listening to them, and sharing faith with them in such a way that they will freely respond and want to commit themselves to trust, love, and obey God as a disciple of Jesus Christ and a member of his servant community, the church. That sounds a lot better. Evangelism is an attitude and a mindset and a life journey in which we share with others the forgiveness that we have experienced, the joy, the peace that we have known, the salvation that is possible when Christ enters into a person's life as we sing at Christmas. What if our telling others about the good news and the kingdom at hand was motivated by love and was done in humility? And what if doing what Jesus said in this case, going and telling the good news to people of the kingdom of God or the reign of God or the presence of God or the love of God or the activity of God that they have not seen or for some reason are not able to see, what if doing that and doing what Jesus said to do was and is a way and a means by which we draw near to him and we learn from him and we grow in him? As Colleen described, one of the other things that Jesus said to do, fasting, turns out to be a way to learn, to grow, to become. And what if somehow us telling other people about the good news of God and Jesus in our lives actually ended up being a good thing for people? And what if it ended up being a good thing for us? I still think you have an old mindset of evangelism where it's all bad news. And so I want you to rethink, repent of the way that you've thought about evangelism and begin to think of it as also one of the ways that God through Jesus brings about good news, good things in our world, in your life, in our hearts. Colleen spoke uh, about a re-understanding of fasting. Last week in my life group, uh, one of the people spoke about a whole new way of understanding repentance, a rethinking about repentance so that that's no longer bad news as we so often hear it, but good news from God and one of the ways we enter into his kingdom, his presence, his activity. I heard you talking and refusing to stop talking 15 minutes ago when I asked you to share good news in your life with other people. What if we had that same enthusiasm and understood and were able to so naturally share with others, tell others the good news of God and his kingdom in our lives? What if we understood the telling of that good news, evangelism, 
as sharing bread with another hungry person. As one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. St. Francis has been given credit for this line, though no one really knows if he was the first one to say it. But he or someone a long time ago said, preach the good news and when necessary, use words. But I want to say this morning that there, while there is truth in that and gospelizing or evangelism or euangelion is holistic and is about living out the faith and sharing the forgiveness, the mercy, the love of God and Jesus, it almost always requires telling, speaking, using our words. When necessary, use words. Today, it's almost always necessary and good. So I want to uh, ask us to rethink evangelism. And I'm going to coin a new term today, which is the title of this message, and that is good newsing. I want to call you, encourage you, let Jesus call us to be people who good news it, who practice good newsing on a regular basis, because we enjoy telling good news. You know that. We practiced it a moment ago about whatever good news you've had in your life. There is another good news that in some ways is 2,000 years old but is still just as fresh by the kingdom of God and God's activity in our lives, in your lives today. It's possible. It's available. And so I want to encourage you to become a good newser. If you, if you are not already. And just to put some legs on that and to give you a couple of things to hold on to. I want to ask you to do something today or this week at the latest. But if you don't do it today, it's more likely that it's not going to happen. I want to encourage you to be, uh, to practice so that you can put into practice telling the good news of God and Jesus in your life, in your experience, in three ways or for three periods of time. First for 30 seconds, and then for three minutes, and then for 30 minutes. Because you are going to have opportunities in your life regularly where you're going to need to be able to pack it all into 30 seconds because that's the only window of time you have with someone. In other situations, you will have three minutes. And so you need a three-minute version of what Peter wrote in his first letter, to be ready to give a reason for the hope that you have. 30-second version, three-minute version, and for those times when you have to sit down with someone, a 30-minute version, to be able to put into words your experience of hope and forgiveness and power and love as the kingdom has come in your life and in your heart and your world. Remember that Peter and Andrew and James and John were simple, ordinary, uneducated fishermen who, when Jesus first called them, had no training in telling anything to anyone except how to fish. And Jesus prepared them, he trained them, and sent them out 
and through them, the world has been eternally changed and is continuing to change. May God use us as we become good newsing people in the same way, and may his kingdom come. Let's pray. I can feel the tension, God. Because some of us are shy or unsure or apprehensive or self-conscious. Fill us with your spirit. Help us to hear again Jesus' invitation to be agents of the kingdom, to be bearers of good news, to be people who whisper and shout with joy at how we have seen your kingdom come, how we have experienced your activity and your presence and your life and your power and your goodness in our lives, in our world, daily, weekly, monthly, every year. Empower us, authorize us to go and to tell with joy and with gladness the good tidings of your good news. We make ourselves available to you. We do so expectantly, we do so obediently, and we do so with joy. Bring about your kingdom. Amen.